0: Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Artsy AF Podcast. Thanks for being here. Today's guest is legendary electronic music producer, Mr. Bill. Not only is Bill a music producer, he's also a teacher. You can sign up to become a hardcore Ableton ear on Mr. Bill's website at mrbillstunes.com where you get exclusive, advanced Ableton video tutorials. That was Ableton video tutorials. 17 high-quality, royalty-free sample packs, and a lot more stuff. I'm not going to spoil any of it for you. So if you're an aspiring producer, get over there and check it out. Not only is he a music producer and a teacher, he's also a fellow podcaster. We talk about a lot of things in this episode. Well, first I hit him with the brutal facts about the music industry question. And then we kind of fly off from there. Um, We talk about his process a little bit, about collaborating, a little bit about chess. So, I thought that was pretty cool. And that's why I asked him about it. Anyway, strap in, hold tight. This is a rapid episode, because Bill is knee-deep in album production. He's a busy man. And Bill, if you're listening, thanks for giving me some of your time. And I hope everyone enjoys this episode. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to RTAF, Bill. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. Um, I, I didn't look into this too much beforehand. Like, how, how long has this podcast been around?
0: Um, we released our first episodes in July of 2019. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a co-host for a little while. Uh, he's another <laughs> painter. And he dropped out back in May. And so I've just been continuing to do it. Um by myself and I've uh, you know I missed a few weeks here and there so you're episode 61.
1: Oh nice so you're pretty established and you've done it a fair bit. Yeah
0: yeah yeah.
1: Do you mostly um, chat with like uh, painters and stuff or are you chatting with all sorts of
0: different people? Kind of all sorts of different people definitely um, painter heavy for sure. Nice. Um, recently I had the <laughs> idea like oh I want to talk to producers since like zoom is kind of the only way to talk to people now you know Mm, without having to be like are you cool with like meeting up and yeah (laughs) you know
1: honestly yeah i mean like i was against doing zoom calls for my podcast i was too for the longest time i like just wanted to do them in person right because it's like you can't have a proper it feels i don't know i had this idea that you couldn't have like this genuine conversation over a phone call or whatever. Yeah. But I feel like since switching to Zoom, um, I actually prefer it. I mean, it's way easier. You can get way more podcasts done.
0: Totally. Yeah, I think I prefer it too. Um, And I think also people have just gotten a little more used to it. Mm. And so it's, you know, myself included, it's just a little easier on on people nowadays with all of uh, COVID and stuff
1: so yeah, having a podcast it's just so good I think for um especially during this time to just sort of have this built-in time to have conversations with people yeah because it's just like i um, I mean you don't get to socialize that much anymore so it's kind of like you're taking the time out to be like all right I'm gonna really heavily focus for like 30 or 40 minutes or whatever on like uh having a having a like proper interaction with someone and I feel like that's healthy in this time
0: oh definitely Definitely. And something I've, I've noticed since the beginning before even COVID hit was like, you don't really like hit up your friends and say, Hey, would you like to come over and have like a two hour conversation or whatever, you know, however long it, but as soon as there's like a mic and it's a thing, people are, are all about it.
1: Mm. Yeah, Yeah,
0: totally. Well, yeah. So I have this question, that I usually reserve for like, like the middle or maybe sometimes the end of the show. But since we're on a bit of a, uh, a schedule here and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, I wanted to know what you think are some brutal facts about the music industry that people might not know about.
1: Um, Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I don't know, because I don't want to shit on the music industry either, but exactly, uh, yeah. I guess, I guess like some, something that's pretty brutal about it that a lot of people um, might not necessarily think about before they get into it is that it's not like once, like I make a living off music, right? Yeah. So like technically by my like 15 year old self standards, I've made it. Right. Yeah. But like, it's not what I thought it would be, you know, like I didn't think it would be this... uh you know, I, I didn't I didn't think I'd be just working like 12 hours a day on <laughs> Ableton, you know. I thought I thought I'd be like, oh yeah, once you've made it, like, you know, you probably just sit around playing guitar and being in a band and like, you, know, you just have heaps of friends and like you just yeah. like you know, eating sick food all the time, like everyone thinks you're really awesome and you don't have any problems and like everything is just great. Um <clears throat> You know, that's what making it is. And then you just, you know, go play the show every now and then and (laughs) to like a million people and it's it's (laughs) awesome. But it's for sure not like that. It's a fucking grind. No matter what level you're at. In fact, like the bigger you get, the more of a grind it is. Yeah. Like, I I mean, the biggest artist I know, like I know Deadmau5 pretty well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the bigger, like he's the biggest artist I know. And I know a few others that are like, you know, somewhere encroaching on that size as well. And they just, the reason they're bigger is because they just work 10 times harder than I do. (laughs) Like this, it's almost like it's a one-to-one thing. Like it's hard, you work harder, you get bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people just, I mean, it's not necessarily always the case. You know, obviously people get lucky and right time shit and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like Skrillex, for instance, he's like one of the biggest in the world. And I mean, I just know he works like fucking 18 hour days. Like I've just heard from people that he just works constantly.
0: That's got to be like a a superpower to be able to work for 18 hours a day and only sleep for six you know
1: <laughs> yeah i mean some people are just you know geared for that but yeah that's kind of i guess a brutal fact is like people who who haven't sort of m- made it into the industry far enough to to see that yet might not know mm-hmm. it's a, <laughs> nice yeah it's a it gets just brutal in terms of how much work you have to do to upkeep your career but i mean you know you have to do that in any career i guess so it's not that
0: bad totally and it's
1: at least doing something that you like to do yeah yeah what's what's like a brutal fact about the painting or art industry that that i wouldn't know
0: um something that i just sort of stumbled on is and i think it's something that i sort of knew subconsciously or at the periphery for a while but it's that like uh the the gallery (laughs) market and the art market um it has a pretty tight knit group of collectors and that if if you don't get their vote you might not ever crack into the the gallery world in a in a big big way and interesting also um, i asked i asked rob uh, supercilious this question and i totally agreed with his answer he said uh, that you'll either you'll either blow up overnight or it'll take you like five to 10 years longer than you think it will to like, you know, be making a steady living off, off what you do off music or uh, um, that's what he said in terms of music. But I think it's true for, for painting too. And I, I don't think anybody really blows up overnight you know, scare quotes on that. I think it's like they work and work and work. And then all of a sudden a bunch of new people know about them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, like I said, there's some right time, right thing stuff that goes on. And some people like kind of do blow up, like not overnight, but, you know, pretty quickly. For instance, like, you know, Rob is a good friend of of Joshua, Space Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he had that experience kind of, right? Like it was just all of a sudden, like over the span of six months or a year, he just got massive. Yeah. Um, And it's like hard to say why, you know, like he just was playing shows just like the rest of us. He was putting music out just like the rest of us, but it's like for some reason he just got massive.
0: Do you, do you think some of that like, um, has to do with like the, the image or, or like just a a catchy, like he has a, he had a real catchy name, right? Like, I think, I think for him it was like, he's just this sort
1: of like tall, attractive, like funny dude. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he plays a show, he's like, you know, on the mic telling jokes and shit like that. And he's just like, you know, got this really big personality and, you know, he's got this really cool personality. It's like when um, when, uh, when, you watch a show with him, it feels like you're hanging out and like having a fun time and it feels like you're a part of like the joke or like feels like you're a part of the it doesn't feel like, you know, he's this guy being like, I'm better than you. I'm up on the stage and you're down there kind of thing. It's He's kind of like, you know, let's party together kind of thing. And it's it's just, I don't know, it has like a kind of vibe to it. And I think a lot of people resonated with that a lot. And um yeah, I also think just the style of music and yeah, the image and the name and the brand and all that stuff, yeah, everything just sort of like locked into place for the for the scene that he was in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that like that could be a blessing and a curse, like blowing up that fast. Like, I don't know, you know, how I would handle it. Like, if all of a sudden I were super famous and going around meeting thousands and <laughs> thousands of people.
1: Yeah, the human mind is like not set up for that. It's the human mind is set up for like being born in one place, never going like further than, you know, 100 kilometers of your mm. radius that you were born in, and then, you know, hanging out with the same. 20 people for your whole life basically like a small tribe um so i feel like it can do pretty strange shit to to one's mind if all of a sudden you know they have millions of people like wanting to talk to them and stuff
0: yeah um let's pivot just a little bit uh i wanted i was curious how you started making music and kind of like your backstory with all that Uh,
1: i should i should say before we move on i'm not saying that that did strange things to josh's mind either oh okay yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. i just want to clarify
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Um, that was just something i thought about
1: Um, yeah sorry what was the question it was uh uh,
0: yeah how'd you get started making music um kind of like would you would you mind just giving uh the listeners like a quick backstory oh yeah totally
1: yeah so when i was like um pretty young like 10 or something like that my mom would always come home from work she worked at a record plant um <clears throat> and at the time she was pressing cassette uh I don't know how like how you say it she was making cassettes basically mm-hmm. um and a lot of the cassettes that she was making were of like independent artists in Sydney Australia who were just making like weird techno and shit <laughs> nice. so from the age of like 10 I had just all these weird techno tapes from underground artists <laughs> who like it just are not even around it today. Like they're just tiny artists in Sydney who are making weird, weird electronic music. So I was listening to those a bunch when I was younger, and I always was like super into them. Um, and then, <clears throat> so that was like my first exposure to electronic music. And then I got into like metal and playing guitar a ton through high school, and then. During which time my parents had like a little Apple, like one of those bubble Macs. What do they call like Emacs or whatever?
0: Oh yeah, the little um, desktop things. Yeah, they
1: look like a little fucking bubble with like a neon case, and like you could, they were all like different colors and shit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they had one of those, and it had Garage Band on it. So I'd mess around with Garage Band a ton during high school, and then sort of towards the end of high school um my friend took me to what's called a doof in australia which is like basically a small festival but it's like kind of got its own flavor it's not like a, an american wook festival or whatever it's like <laughs> this weird australian bogan festival and it's not it's not a festival like you can't call it that it's not quiet there you know like it's a yeah it's just a weird party and um they just play Psytrance for like three days straight. That's all <laughs> they play. And it's usually just one stage and it's usually just Psytrance nonstop for three days. Oh, man. So I, I was exposed to that. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. I like Psytrance. So then I started trying to make that in GarageBand and then realized I couldn't and then sort of went through all the DAWs like Rudy Loops, Logic, Cubase, all that shit um and then landed on ableton and was like oh this is cool like i click with this daw it makes a lot of sense to me for some reason like it just seemed seemed logical the way it worked um and then i uh went to sae after i was using ableton for a few years i was like i should go get a you know degree in audio sae
0: is uh it's which?
1: like the School of Audio Engineering. Oh, okay. Um, or I think that's what it's called. I don't know. It's like a institution called SAE Institute, and it's just a university slash private college thing where people go to, to learn about music and audio and stuff, <clears throat> and now film as well, I think. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, I, I went there and got an audio engineering degree, and then by the time I got out of uh, SAE, I was like basically touring. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the
0: chronology of all of that. Nice, nice. Thank you for sharing that. Um mm-hmm. and I I know that this is kind of like a this is a basic prompt, but I'm I'm actually curious because when I listen to your tunes it sounds like there's just like hundreds of edits and all there's a lot going on that I I can't describe in words because I don't know the the lingo and I've never really made a tune on Ableton or anything um but w- would you also mind like giving us a glimpse into like your process
1: oh yeah totally so for starters like I mean I have a website right where like I show everyone how to do all of this kind of stuff um it's called mrbillstunes.com and mm-hmm. like I just have massive courses on there like thousands and thousands of hours of video of like showing people how I do my stuff but I mean <clears throat> um essentially what I do is I I'm kind of more of, like, I guess a collage artist, I would say, or more of, like, a... Um, I mean, I, I look at it sort of, like, painting in these weird ways. You know, like, I just sort of mix a bunch of sounds together, like, affect them together, render them, chop them up, like, do a bunch of processing and resampling and chopping and so on and so forth, and then kind of just try and make all of that weird process noise musical, which is the tough part, right? Mm-hmm. It's, um... <clears throat> The equivalent, I think, would be like, I don't know, finding like some disgusting log, <laughs> and then trying to like paint on it to make it look like a nice painting. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of try to do the same thing with my music. I try and like take this like fucked up sound that I made that just shouldn't be like the main thing in a song, and then try and make it the main thing in a song and like build around it. And
0: are are you using like a, a VST to make the sound or it's uh, kind of sound?
1: Just it's random, like it's sometimes from a VST, sometimes it's from like a a field recording, sometimes it's from, you know, a mic recording in the studio, sometimes it's just like a random sample I find on the internet or like some YouTube video that I just like run through all stretch or something like that. It's just like completely random, just whatever I can get out of the tools I have, I just do that.
0: Yeah. So is it 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 seems like it's important for you to to like keep yourself interested and kind of like challenge yourself
1: totally that's like the number one goal i think or the number one priority because as soon as i get disinterested in making music then the whole the whole thing stops right 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 it's like i need to keep myself interested to keep this this train going
0: yeah that's a cool little trick i mean uh i heard your your podcast with dead mouse and it seems kind of like the by the way Kudos on your podcast. I I'm not a producer, but I, I love it. It's very I love like the conversational nature of it, and uh, it's mm. it's a fun listen. Uh, if anyone listening wants to check it out, it's just the Mister Bill podcast.
1: But thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, on the Dead Mouse episode, he talks about how he has like uh, that crazy overhead in terms of like cost, so that oh, yeah. it makes him he like has to keep making stuff and like finding new creative ways to to
1: yeah that's an interesting way to go about it i mean i've never gone that hard on it but i mean like for instance right now i'm like going way harder on an album than i have in the last like few years and the reason why is because i just had to pay like i don't know how much like 20 grand or something like that out of my out of pocket to pay for visa stuff oh wow because i'm Yeah, I'm like, I had to pay a bunch of lawyers and then I had to pay a bunch of filing fees. And then I had to like, it's just crazy how much that shit costs. So like, uh, and uh, it's because I, the reason why is because I had to like extend the visa that I'm currently on, which is my O1. And then I'm like also trying to apply for a a green card. Yeah. Which is just like a long-term sort of working visa because I've sort of decided that I want to stay in America. I really like it here. So yeah. (laughs) um, So there's, yes. So right now it's like my... My shit is tight, so it's making me like want to work way harder for sure. So I kinda understand that, but I mean purposefully doing it, I don't know, like if I would go that far to be like, you know what, I'm gonna like purposefully like get myself an insane car that's just like as he said, burning holes through his pockets. Like, dude, he told me the the McLaren center that he had, which is a one million dollar car. Jesus. It's fucking one million dollar car. Um to change the tires on that <clears throat> after a race day is like twenty grand, which is just like there goes That's another visa, true. you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another visa straight up there. Or like, a, you know, it's like worth more than my car. it's oh, Just yeah. like on his tires. It's crazy.
0: That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> so uh, the new album, I definitely wanted to get to this. Uh, I think I saw a post last night, actually. Is it, are you releasing it on like, what was it? February 12th? Or is that oh, just a, a single or something? <clears throat>
1: Yeah, there's no oh you might have seen the WAF ten yeah. thing or whatever. Yeah, so that's a um a compilation on Mousetrap called We Are Friends and that is uh it's just a compilation they do like every year or whatever and okay. this is the tenth one and I just have a tr- one track on there.
0: Nice. Do you have a release date for that album? Or a projected <clears throat> time? No. No.
1: I, I mean I'm trying to get it done. Like I'm trying to get all the production done by at the latest like April <laughs> but um sorry I keep coughing I, I actually just woke up like literally before this I'm <laughs> yeah. like I went to bed at like 6 a.m and yeah.
0: sometimes those like early morning hours are the best for creativity I feel like
1: oh uh, I was not being creative I was oh, just yeah. watching YouTube videos oh nice okay <laughs> yeah I was, I was just watching like v v source and like mountain biking videos oh <laughs> like, nice is, I was not being creative productive
0: i wanted to ask you about that too it seems like you um you have like a few hobbies outside of just making music um Mm. how important is it to you to to have those
1: i mean uh, up until recently it was not important you know music was enough and with touring happening when it was that was like plenty in my life you know like i was traveling constantly and that was interesting enough and that in itself included enough experiences that i thought it was you know plenty of i could just do that forever and i would never get bored of it because i mean just traveling and hanging out with so many different people and going into sessions all over the place like and writing music with different people and playing shows in different cities and meeting different people and, and yeah it was just like crazy but you know now having taken this whole year off with just none of that it's been super important for me to find new hobbies because it was just like, I can't just do music producing in the studio constantly. It just gets so dry and like yeah. boring. And I, I just feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over on autopilot. It becomes very monotonous. And
0: mm-hmm. <clears throat>
1: so, yeah, I had to get into like a bunch of shit. I had to get into something I could do while I was in the studio so I could like flick between production mode and like something else, right? which used to be cigarettes for me like i would you know be producing music and then i would like walk away and just smoke a cigarette and then like come back 10 minutes later now it's playing a game of chess so it's like i'll just play like a 10 minute game of chess um and then come back and then the thing that i do now for like getting out of the studio is mountain biking but i also just like to go for walks and shit now too which is Something I never used to like to do. I would always just like <laughs> never I fucking didn't do any exercise, man, until like the age of twenty six or something. It was crazy. Yeah. I was like so unhealthy back in the day. And then I'm um, uh Yeah, and then I'm also into like cooking now as well, which is good because also back in the day I was I was never into cooking, so I'd just eat bullshit all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like the perfect combo for like just the worst shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've noticed recently too, like exercising is is so much more important to me now. I mean, like I'm 35, so I'm kind of coming up over this hill of like realizing that if I don't get some kind of exercise, like I don't feel right. And then if I don't feel right, I don't, I'm not motivated to make art. And Mm. if, even if I force myself to do it, it it turns out like not the best. And, um, yeah, that's also something we have in common, man. I, I started playing chess again during this quarantine. And uh, it's so much fun. Like, I don't know. Um, I know this is RTAF podcast, but like, I want to talk about chess for a second.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, like, when did you start playing?
0: I guess originally, like, I was in chess club in elementary school. <coughs> and then sort of like, put it down for a very long time. And um, what's, uh,
1: do you play on chess.com or Lee chess or uh,
0: Chess. dot com? Nice.
1: Yeah. What's your um? What's your rating?
0: Um. Well, so you know they have different ratings for like different times. Uh, my like day rating is pretty killer. Um, it's like in the thirteen hundreds. Oh, that's good. But then like the the like five minute rapid one fluctuates between like seven and like nine hundred. Oh, that's pretty good too. Yeah.
1: yeah my uh my rapid is like 1450 and my puzzles are like 1700 and my daily is about 1200 nice nice so did you
0: play chess beforehand
1: so my dad taught me the game when i was really young and um nice i used to like play him and then i was like playing my brother a bunch too and it got to a point where i could just like beat both of them um and i just didn't have anyone else to play with at the time like i could yeah like i didn't have a computer i didn't have like any books or anything so i kind of like just hit the limit with what i could do and then i just did the same same deal as you i just i just put it down for a long time then in high school there was like one guy <clears throat> um in my year who who could just like beat me every time so i played with him a little bit learned a few tricks here and there like he showed me the scholars mate and stuff like that yeah. just like uh so i like learned those things and then I put it down for a long time, and then I kind of just got back into it, like I don't know, a few years ago. Uh, but I only really started taking it seriously through quarantine, like got got some teachers and stuff like that.
0: Oh, so now nice. Now I have,
1: um, yeah, I have two teachers now. One as a grandmaster and one as a national master. So I've been like really <laughs> learning the fundamentals properly and like really learning, you know, stuff about like pawn structure and stuff about like positional advantage and strategy and all that kind of stuff.
0: Do you, do you think that learning kind of a new skill in any area translates it's kind of like uh it's kind of like a kind of teaching yourself how to learn in general you Mm -hmm. feel like that
1: in some ways i mean i think something like chess teaches you maybe like patience and uh you know maybe just builds up the callus of like just using your brain to problem solve a little bit yeah uh but you know i don't think like learning chess like helps you use a bandsaw or something like that right <laughs> right right or you know like it doesn't i don't think it makes you like a better cook or anything like that but yeah sure. i think like it it can you know some of the brain exercises that it makes you do um <clears throat> probably can translate to to some other things that require thinking as well
0: yeah do you you know uh who josh waitskin is
1: Josh, uh, did he write the book, The Art of Learning?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just going to mention that, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, so the only reason I know this is because I had Hero Bust on my podcast yesterday and he actually mentioned this exact <laughs> book to me. Yeah.
0: Nice, of course. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that, um, I don't know, that book is really cool in that it sets up like a systematic way of learning. Um, but also once you like for in the, in the case of chess, for instance, like you set up all these systematic ways of learning and you learn all the positions and all these things, like it's very logical, but then like he says that once you're in front of the board with another opponent, you can, you don't have to think so much. It becomes kind of like this brain memory or muscle memory or kind of like a neurological pathway that's already been blazed a little bit. Um, yeah like
1: intuitive
0: mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but this guy he I mean not to bore you again with the synopsis of the book but he he's he like switched lanes in his 20s and became like this Tai Chi master and competed all over the world in that and he kind of used the same uh, principles that he learned yeah I'm shows.
1: gonna I'm gonna buy this book cause I mean I was gonna buy it yesterday after the hero bus told me and, I, and then I was like eh 16 bucks for the audiobook I can't really be spending that money but I mean <laughs> right. like now that you've also told me it's probably it's probably a sign that I should check it out
0: yeah it's a pretty solid book I I read <clears throat> it back in the day and then recently picked it up again because I started playing chess mm.
1: nice, um, and he's like a, a good chess player or something or?
0: oh he was like so you know the movie searching for Bobby Fisher did you ever see uh, that movie? yeah yeah yeah, that's him as a little or it's not actually him but that's supposed to be him as the little kid like he was like a a prodigy up and i'm not sure if he won any international like world things because i haven't read the book in a while but um yeah he 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 was a crazy chess player Hmm. sick yeah
1: that's awesome yeah um what's your uh username on chess.com i'll challenge you to a daily game or something sweet
0: um it's the norris sphere so it's all one word and it's it's here you want me to spell it for you real quick <clears throat> uh yeah it's just the and then norris is n-o-r-r-i-s and then p-h-e-r-e
1: The Norrisphere. Andrew Thompson. Good yeah. Challenge. All right. Challenge to <laughs> You are rated plus 442. On Wait. Di- oh, that's in that's in 10 minutes. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daily. Here we go. Did I play as
0: random? All right. Sweet challenge sent. <laughs> Maybe we could just do a live stream of us uh, playing chess. Just kidding. Oh, I'd be done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Sweet. Sure. Um, yeah, I stream chess sometimes on my Twitch channel
0: nice oh mr bills tunes one that's yeah that's so it has gotta I, be you
1: <laughs> yeah so my mr bills tunes account my original one i just like forgot my password and like got locked out of my email address and just like i can't access it so i had to make a mr bills tunes one account
0: oh nice um well sweet that i guess so you have um mentors or teachers in the chess game Uh, Did you have any, or do you have any like mentors in the music or with music? Sorry.
1: Yeah, totally. I think, um, like when i first started i had a few there was this guy in sydney named Fahud, who was a mastering engineer who i'd hang out with all the time and he he taught me a bit and um i mean obviously all of my teachers at sae were really helpful Mm -hmm. um i have a buddy named matt davis who's been on my podcast before and he's also like my acoustician he's also like tipper's acoustician Ah. and jade cicada's acoustician and detox unit and um he's just a really really good acoustician and um he's just incredibly intelligent and knows what he's talking about when it comes to just like how sound works, not necessarily like producing, but he's also a mastering engineer. So I would, I would consider him like somewhat of a mentor as well. I've learned a lot from him. Uh, And I mean, I guess like I have a lot of peers, like I have a group of friends that I, because with music, I mean, I don't know if it's, like, painting, right, where there's kind of, like, a loudness war in music where, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's trying to get their shit louder. And, I I mean, the equivalent for painting would be, like, everyone trying to get their shit brighter or something, you know?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I think that um, I actually remember seeing this kind of, like, graph about the colors used in painting over the history of art. And it goes from kind of, like, grayish-brown... And then once it hits, I think like the 70s or 80s, maybe even a little bit before that, it's all these like bright, like crazy, just crazier colors. Like, And I think, I don't really know what to think about that. I think part of it is that... Probably like the introduction of psychedelics had a
1: lot to do with it, right?
0: Definitely that, I think. But also <laughs> like, I'm not sure, you know, like back in the day back in the day like renaissance era it was so hard to find pigment it was like mm-hmm. a very rare thing you couldn't just like go to the store and get some paint you had to find the pigment mix it in with the medium and then you or the or your studio goons or whatever were, were the ones making your own paint to paint your painting and they were using you know mostly just minerals from the earth and then once uh, acrylic paint came along, I think they were able to kind of like tap into different sort of colors that we we didn't really, I mean, we had them and we could see them, but they weren't really like in nature. You wouldn't just be like walking around in Europe and the Renaissance and see, a, you know, some crazy lime green fluorescent thing. You know what I mean?
1: Mm.
0: I don't know if there's a brightness war because there's so many different lanes of painting but I guess in the in the sort of like psychedelic lane I think that yeah like people are definitely going for like yeah I think just crazy colors tend to catch people's eye and with like Instagram and, and social media being the main way we all share it the you know you have like a split second to catch someone's attention and like typically I think the brighter things are maybe your eye lingers a little longer on that. And then if it's actually like well done and things are like popping and looking like there's a 3d space on your 2d canvas or whatever, then people stick around a little longer. Mm. So yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. There, there might be some (laughs) parallels there for sure. Um,
1: yeah. So I guess like what I was saying is, um, like uh, a group of friends that I have, I don't know if you have this with artists as well, but like essentially I have like a small set of people I trust who, like I just trust their opinion on like loudness and brightness and just like all that kind of stuff. But I'll send my stuff to all of them to sort of get my opinion on, you know, whether or not the mix is sort of sitting right and whether or not it's loud enough and whether or not it's like, you know, bassy and bright enough and just like if everything's sort of hitting properly and, and whatnot. Um, Is there like an equivalent with with painting where you know you show it to a friend and they're like oh no man this definitely needs like more green or something
0: yeah yeah for sure um right now a small group of my friends we're we're trying to hang out and we are hanging out basically every week and the intention originally was kind of to to have a bit of a critique at the end of the the hangout session so when we hang out you know it's it's not like music we can talk and goof off and, and paint all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, that's, that definitely happens for sure. Or I I like to utilize that. Um, I also used to have a, a roommate, uh, shout out Martin cash who, who just like, he, he knows a lot about painting and how to make something look good. And I just, you know, we'd be painting kind of in the same studio and I'd turn to him and be like, What's you know, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with my painting? And he'd kind of look at it for a minute and be like, I think you could like boost the mid-tones a little bit, and make it more of a shape instead of just having like, bam a highlight, bam a shadow. Uh which I guess in music would kind of you know, if you were just working on those polarities, you'd just have like a bass, you, you know, or a sub and then some crazy little high-frequency thing. And it's really in the like the mid-value and, and color tone range where things start to take form and, and shape. Um, but yeah... I
1: mean, I think, Yeti has a song like that, you know, where that crack the window tune. Uh-huh. It's just that, uh, that really low 808 at like 20 hertz and then this really <laughs> high-pitched synth at like 16K <laughs> or something like that and just nothing in between.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can definitely pull things off like that for sure and it's it you know it's cool to break the rules or the rules mm. you know in scare quotes but um yeah we have something like that um i think something i noticed is that painters it seems like are a bit more uh, fragile when it comes to critiquing their work um especially like in public which you know Decorum states or whatever That you shouldn't necessarily Offer advice without Being like could I give you some advice First Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just something I've noticed Like I think with uh, Musicians if Someone's like oh I see the Whatever you know Funk influence in your music And or the, The tipper influence in your music People are like oh cool yeah thanks Whereas in like Art, I've noticed that if you, you kind of like if you're like oh this looks a lot like Alex Gray or Further or whoever, um, sometimes people are like get a little bit more defensive. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's
1: because we're like more visual creatures, though, right? Like I feel like with audio, it's easy to <clears throat> to hear something and be like, oh, this sounds like X Y Z, and it's very easy to like discount someone else's opinion on that because music just is so subjective. Totally, i feel like even more so than visual art right um whereas with visual art you know we're we're just looking at shit constantly from the i mean we're hearing shit constantly too but we're not hearing music constantly right from the day we're born but we, we are seeing i guess like forms of art basically since from the day we're born right um and it's just i think you know you walk into like anyone's house and they like generally have you know some painting or some some shit on the wall but uh it's just like Super easy for everyone, I think, to have a have an opinion on visual art and be like, oh, you know, my you know, If you ask someone what their favorite color is, like everyone has an answer to that question, right? They're right. all like, oh, my favorite color is like dark blue and purple or something. Yeah, and yeah. then you ask somebody like, what's your favorite frequency? Like, <laughs> they're, they're gonna be like, oh, I don't know, like two hundred and four hundred and thirty-two hertz <laughs> or whatever. Like, it's it's hard to, you know, not a yeah. lot of people have that have that sort of same uh, deep uh, discrepancy for music as they might or for visual art.
0: Yeah. I think, I think music it, it has more of this like magical feel too, because I think less people, you know, there's the, the, the barrier to, uh, uh, to entry for like learning music is I think quite a bit harder, uh, than just being able to draw something or, or paint something. Um, because like you said, we are more visual creatures. Um, yeah I don't know do you have a a favorite frequency
1: (laughs) uh no I mean I have like favorite ranges Mm -hmm. I think like I'm a big fan of you know the 20 to 80 hertz range I'm a big fan of like the 5 to 12 kilohertz range I'm a big fan of like you know yeah I I kind of like different pockets and I kind of dislike other pockets you know like I'm not a huge fan of the like but it also depends on the key of the track right because like um, you know the key of a track that's in C is gonna be, I'm gonna like different ranges than a key if, if if the track is in the key of like you know G or something like that or A or some shit. So I don't know. Like I generally um, for whatever key the track is in, I try and get rid of like whatever the low mids are usually because they sort of just get in the way. So like the 300 hertz range usually is sort of like just this weird muddy area that I don't like so much. Mm. Um, but it's really hard to say, right? Because it's all like very situational depending on like what's going on in the track and
0: yeah. depending on the, all sorts of shit. Yeah, it's all about the context. Like in painting, <laughs> its I don't really have a favorite color just as long as it looks good next to the other colors that are there, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes yeah, a shitty range of frequencies that I generally don't like can work really well in certain tracks, like <laughs> aesthetically.
0: Yeah. Um, so I've noticed that like, you've done like hundreds of collaborations it seems like maybe not hundreds I don't know a lot you've done a lot of collaborations Mm -hmm. um I think they're like I'm just curious as to how those work um are you usually sitting in the studio with the person you're collaborating are you passing it back and forth or
1: um usually more more often than not I'm not in the studio with the other person And that's not because I don't want to be, I would much prefer to be, but it's just like logistically, it makes more sense to, to just do it, you know, like, um, just like over the internet or whatever, Yeah. just because, um, you know, then both people can sort of work on their own time and also like on their own computers, you know? Yeah. It's, I don't think as easy as just like handing someone a paintbrush or a pen and, them being like all right yeah i know how to like use this it's you know everyone has their favorite like vsts and they like know exactly where their sample folders are and it's like (sighs) it's yeah jumping on someone else's computer is always like tough to to just like get straight into it especially if it's like a mac and you're on pc like i am or if it's a pc and you're on mac like some people are because then like control and command are like in different spots and have different actions in the daw so like all of your muscle memory for like keyboard shortcuts and shit goes out the window and yeah it becomes like a huge pain in the ass
0: yeah um yeah i think it's a little you know it's obviously different between visual artists and producers um are you guys are you guys communicating uh with words a lot or are you just like putting things in sending it back and maybe just getting an opinion um
1: yeah so usually like one person will start and then you'll send the project file over to another person and they'll mess with it a bit and then uh, you know like I'll send back a thing uh, either I'll just say like send me back the project file and I'll add to it I like what you did or like you know I didn't like some things or whatever and then you know once it gets to a certain point I guess like one person usually decides like I'm gonna finish this mm-hmm. and then they just keep working on it and sending the other person whips um, or you know <clears throat> renders yeah and then the other person will just be like oh you know they'll just send back timestamps basically and like problems that they have at those times so they'll be like oh like 0 51 seconds um this thing is like a bit harsh and then like you know two minutes 36 like this weird sound needs like a
0: frequency notched out of it and so on and so forth nice yeah i think in painting like if you're in the moment painting with someone and and they do something and you don't like it and (laughs) you go and you just paint over it it's a lot more like a a visceral thing and you really have to it's like a it's like this dance where you you have to give space for the other person but you also have to communicate like i don't know i don't know if there's a.
1: Well, you can't like save as with a painting, right? Like right. it's physical. I mean, maybe with Photoshop, it would be different because yeah. you can just hit like control shift S and save a new version and then do whatever you want over the other person's shit. And if they don't like it, they can always revert back to their thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, you can
1: have it. So that happens a lot in music. It's like, I'll change a bunch of shit and then... The other person will be like, Oh man, I I really like that whole section that I made, and then I'll be like, All right, well, like I don't like it so much, and I like my section, so let's try and like work out a medium where like both of those sections are like you know happening at the same time or something, and yeah, figure something out.
0: Do you think you've learned a lot from collaborating?
1: Yeah, the main thing I've learned is that like you just have to respect the collaborator's ear, right? Which is like a tough thing to do because some people just think things that i think sound like garbage sound good and vice versa (laughs) like sometimes i'll do something and someone else will be like dude that just sounds bad yeah and i'll like argue it to to the death that i that it doesn't you know like that it just sounds good but it's just yeah i mean some people you know everyone's ears are different everyone's eyes are different um no one hears or sees anything the same way so it's just sometimes uh a sound just i don't hear what they're hearing you know and vice versa
0: yeah. Yeah, I and think also
1: I mean it ha- has a lot to do with your influences too, right? Like some people might yeah. think a certain synth sound sounds like cheesy mm-hmm. and like other people might think like a certain vocal sound sounds like not cheesy and you yeah. <laughs> know. So it's yeah, it's hard to I mean yeah, it's just a, it's very subjective I guess. So.
0: Mhm. Uh do you have influences outside <laughs> of music that you refer to or that you like aesthetically want to like translate into sound
1: uh not really but i would say the closest thing if anything would probably be film mm-hmm. like just because that's another really good medium for conveying like motion in a similar way that music does uh but yeah not not really mm. i would say it's hard to like you know then again i've never really tried to like look at a painting and like make a song that represents it or whatever so yeah I and mean, i've scored movies and games and shit but yeah maybe i should try that more actually
0: yeah i think for for me and for several other visual artists i know um we're real influenced by music and in fact once i started getting back into (coughs) making images after a long time i sort of was like making brush strokes like to the beat and like i was you know kind of visualizing how things would happen uh via the sound interesting yeah yeah um well man i know that we're we're definitely over 30 minutes here so um i uh, just to close it out what what are a few words you'd use to describe yourself when you're at your best
1: uh when i'm at my best i'm definitely organized and uh i guess like um productive you know getting a lot done uh like i don't complain <laughs> yeah when i'm at my best you know i i uh have a decent sleep schedule mm. um i'm eating well i'm exercising but at the same time like getting a lot a lot of music done you know like I'm, I'm at my best just when i'm the most balanced i think when i think i'm at my best when i do the things that i just know i should do yeah you know like when i mean i always know what i should do i always know that i like I uh, I'll sit here all day sometimes on like Reddit or something just being like, I should exercise and make some music and go and cook some food and then make some more music and then go to bed at like 12, you know, 12 and wake up at eight the next day or something. You know, like all positive things. Right. Um, and then I'll just like ignore that voice in my brain and do none of it.
0: Yeah. That's yeah.
1: that's when I'm at my worst. <laughs> yeah. And when I'm at, when I'm at my best is when I just like adhere to that voice that uh, that just knows what I should be doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful endorsement for like not being distracted. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you just like, it's it's just like discipline, right? Like, if yeah. you just take that that thing in your brain, because I mean, it's not like fucking rocket science to be a healthy, balanced human being, right? You, you know how it's done. I mean, you've, everyone's probably done it before, so it's just a matter of like taking that and and just actually doing it. But it's just I don't know. It's really I don't know why, because like at the here is like at the end of a day of not exercising and just sitting here all day and doing nothing, it's not like I feel good. Like I feel like shit about it. Right. Yeah. And vice versa. If I do all of the work, I feel great. Like I feel really fulfilled. Um, and just the same with like exercise, I've never done an exercise session. And after it being like, fuck, shouldn't have done that. I feel like shit. (laughs) Right. Yet like every single time I eat like a pint of ice cream (laughs) after it, I'm like, man, I should not have done that. I feel like shit yet my brain still goes like you should definitely do the ice cream thing and not the exercise thing you know it's yeah it's just some weird fucking shit that you just you know, i don't know how to fight it it's,
0: <laughs> i think it's like uh it's just sort of training your brain to look at things in the long term rather than going for like short term or i guess the term would be called delay of gratification right like
1: yeah like rather than going for the short dopamine releases yeah uh like the instant gratification stuff then try and like go the long route to fulfillment
0: (coughs) yeah
1: well man definitely a good idea
0: yeah i want to be uh you know courteous of your time so um i guess we can go ahead and wrap it up
1: um yeah um yeah i should probably actually do some of these things that i've (laughs) been talking about Oh yeah man yeah actually um was gonna listen to an audio book and clean my house today and then maybe do some exercise and then try and finish a song that i'm working on so if i can get all that done i'll be i'll be happy
0: right
1: and not eat too
0: much sugar yeah sweet <laughs> stay healthy uh, man and uh i'm looking forward to playing you in chess and maybe uh, at, yeah, man. at some point yeah, we could stream that.
1: it yeah absolutely i'll be done um yeah i mean i'll i'll make some moves oh it's my move actually yeah i'll open with D4 because that's classic, semi-ocean, classic. Semi-ocean. yep yep, yep.
0: You, like art? you like art do you really do you like, really like, fucking, like fucking, art? fucking art tune in to artsyam week next week